Blog Talk Radio. Yes, this is Ryan Berger. It is 5 o'clock on Monday, August 15th. That means we are halfway through the August month, which is really amazing to see that we time is just flying by. We are halfway through the August time period, and we are also halfway through the Olympics. Um, so it's sort of amazing how fast time goes. And uh, as we get closer to uh, the last week of the Olympics, uh, a little basketball, a little, a little track and field, or I guess a lot of track and field, and of course after you've seen what Usain Bolt did last night, uh, there's a lot of interest in what's going on with track and field as well. It is hot. It is humid. The heat wave has reached five days in a row in New York. There's a lot of cranky, sweaty individuals walking around this city uh, looking for the ocean, looking for the pool, looking for any way to cool down. And for the next 60 to 90 minutes, we hope that uh, you can – Cool off a little bit. Listen to uh, Inside the Burger Shop podcast. Uh, we have a wonderful show today with two really, really great guests, and look forward to to chatting with those guys in a couple of minutes uh, regarding what they're up to and what they're doing at the Great Bleacher Report. So we will talk to Kenny and uh, Beckley in just a couple of minutes. We had a great show last show. We had a uh, world-renowned genius investor, uh, Fred Wilson, one of the great uh, investors of our time and uh, has a can't-miss blog that uh, we talked about on the show. We talked about a lot of sports. We talked a lot about technology, investing, uh, what Fred and, and, and his agency look for when they're interested in looking for investments and how they invested in everything from Twitter to uh, SoundCloud to some really incredible uh, uh, tips that he provided for you know, everybody on the show. So great show. 
uh, last week. And, of course, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Just search Inside the Burger Shop, The Grill is Hot. Download that show and many more. Enjoy it over your vacation, over your Labor Day weekend, over your commute. And really just put those headphones on and, and enjoy yourself. And when we talk to our guests, before we talk, we have a great uh, Inside the Burger Shop uh, introduction to our podcast that was done by Brad Sona. And we want to congratulate Mr. Sona on the birth of his son last week. Really happy for Brad and his wife and his daughter and, and everybody as their family continues to grow. So th- congrats to Brad, uh, who's a genius on the one and twos, and uh, and as always, it's great to see another child born into a, you know, into a wonderful family. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, um, of course, uh, our founding sponsor, Hyper, hyperbrands.com, H-Y-P-R brands.com. Hyper is the leader in celebrity and influencer uh, intelligence and data with over 5 million influencers on their platform. They're working with all kinds of great brands, agencies, publishers, and more. Check them out at hyperbrands.com. Sign up, register, subscribe, and become somebody who uses influencers in a way that everyone is using influencers today. Of course, thanks to the Crowds Line and Anthony Lodge and his great company called the Crowds Line and the CrowdsLine.com for being a sponsor. Let's be honest, NFL preseason games are not the most engaging contest. However, if you are putting in your final score predictions using the Crowd Line, you can make a game that might not be a ton of fun a blast. The Crowds Line has weekly baseball games that start today, and we'll have both CFL Week 9 and NFL Week 2 preseason contests up tomorrow. So come on over to the Crowds Line and put in a final score prediction that takes less than 10 seconds and win Amazon, Starbucks, gift cards. Last night, the crowd had the Texans as the favorite, and Las Vegas had San Francisco. The Texans won by 10. Why is there a difference? The Crowds Line takes in precise score predictions and aggregates those score predictions together. One person, one vote. Everybody that plays the Crowds Line are in it to win it. So when you have high-quality forecast and an equal weighting of opinion, you're going to get crowd forecasts that are very precise and very different from a traditional Las Vegas line. Head over to thecrowdsline.com and make your prediction today. And, of course, thanks to our latest sponsor, Pita Express, the great pita, hummus, and all kinds of great Mediterranean food in downtown Manhattan. Head on in, mention that you listen to Inside the Burger Shop, and get $3 off your next meal. We're joined today by the uh, the team at, at Bleacher Report, uh, who's done an incredible job at uh, at building this brand. Um, we're joined by uh, Mr. Dorset, Kenny Dorset, as well as Beckley Mason. Beckley runs the senior director of content over at Bleacher Report, and Kenny runs the social media. And uh, we're happy to be joined by them today. And how are you guys? We're great. Thank you for having us. We're actually in the room together, so uh, you're going to get just a great dynamic here. <laughs> <laughs> I could imagine. Well, welcome to the coming on the show. I appreciate you guys taking some time out of your busy schedules. Uh, I know you guys are have offices in New York and, and, and out in the West Coast. Where are you guys together? Uh, we are both in New York right now. I'm based out of San Francisco, but I'm out here on the East Coast for a couple of days. So we're both in the same room here out in New York. 
Great. Well, hopefully you guys are staying cool. It's been a brutal couple of days with this weather. And, uh, you know, we met a couple of months ago, uh, and I've been a huge fan of the work that you guys have done and, of course, the work that Bleacher Report has done. And there's a great audience who listens to the show who's interested in the intersection of sports and technology and, and social, so I thought it made some sense to have you guys come on and, and tell your story and tell what you guys are up to and, and really share what you do every day. I don't think people really understand what you guys do every day, and it would be great to get a sense of that. But before we get into that, Beckley, why don't you start um, a little bit on your background and, and how you ended up at, at Bleacher Report. Sure. So my uh, my story to get to Bleacher Report is a, a little bit of a long and winding one. I actually wrote on Bleacher Report back in 2009 when it was kind of an open source plat- blogging platform for local sports opinion. Um, and I would say from that moment to what I do now, uh, heading up the branded content studio, kind of enca- encapsulates where this company has gone from uh, being basically driven by the readers in all of the content that was produced to a creative studio that has the capability to, yes, cover teams and topics at a really high level through voices like Howard Beck, but also to work with brands and to have a cr- kind of premium creative offering for them. So I went from being a, a journalist uh, where I, and I worked at ESPN for a while um, freelance with the New York Times for a bit, all, always writing about the NBA, and uh, then moved into marketing and copywriting on some Nike work, and kind of have transitioned from there to RGA, which is an awesome agency where I was working prior to Bleacher Report um, in production, learning kind of the, the business side of things. So I've come to this position where I have, a, I think, a really good appreciation uh, for the editorial task and for you know what a publisher needs to do every day to move the needle online, and then also uh, hopefully a sensitivity for brands. And I think what we're what my team is really trying to figure out is how do you uh, monetize on these new platforms. Uh, working with Kenny on this, when we're seeing that the audience more and more is going there, and we want to follow the audience because we know eventually the money catch, it always catches up to that audience. Very cool. How about you, Kenny? Yeah, so uh, I've had a lot steadier of a route straight through uh, the Bleacher Report ranks. Um, I, I started here about four and a half years ago. I was actually uh, our first, I think I was our first person hired strictly for social media. Um started out as a social media intern and our team has slowly grown from that point. Um, we, we, we started out with, you know, 60,000 followers on Facebook and we're up to 5 million, almost 6 million followers now. So it's been a, a steady and kind of sharp climb up the ranks. I would say, um, the team has gone from, like I said, one person to upwards of 30 at this point who have a hand in social media content. And really what I'm doing now um, is working and running a team that's called our Social Moments team that's really focused on um, creating social first and really a lot of the time social only content that is uh, 
centered around the biggest moments around the web. So whether it be an NBA Finals game, whether it be the Olympics, whether it may be a, an award show, whatever the Internet is kind of talking about, um, we want to be in the center of that conversation and kind of driving that conversation with really on-brand and fun and engaging content that we know our younger demo will really be into and really be sharing um, on a day-to-day basis. You know, I'm fascinated with how you guys have helped build this brand. You have really built, the, obviously, the tone of voice and, 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 and the attraction to millennials. You know, a lot of people look at what you do and they sort of, these guys have dream jobs. This is what I want to do is what you hear from so many people. Um, try and sort of pull back the curtain, if you guys may, and give people a sense. I mean, we have an audience that loves this sort of idea. What do you guys do every single day? You get to work, you grab yourself a nice coffee, then what? <laughs> what, what do you guys do every single day that that um, that makes people really want your job or want what you guys do? I can tell you that the iced coffee is definitely a major part of it. We have... Uh, <laughs> a cold brew keg here in the office, which has been incredibly clutch uh, throughout the summer and is probably going to end up saving me like $1,000 this year. I'm not going out and and getting coffee throughout the day. I've become uh, a serious caffeine addict. But I think we've actually had this conversation with a few people we're trying to partner with or we're trying to hire uh, and it's really powerful when they come to the office and they feel the energy here. I mean, we're, you know, we're owned by Turner, so we're kind of like a startup within a you know, $20 billion media empire. And what's so awesome about where we are is that we have the security of that relationship, and they help um, drive some sales relationships with you know, their massive offering on March Madness inside the NBA, um, you know, their TNT coverage, but it still feels like, and they basically are hands off with content. So um, you get to have the fun of being at a startup and taking the risks. And I think people probably, what they really, you know, what everyone says to me when we talk about Bleacher Report is, do you work on the memes? Do you work on the social moments, which I wish I could take credit for, but that's really Kenny's team. And I think they see the fun and the voice in that and, um, and just kind of the freedom to take risks that is so rare in publishing, especially on a platform that's as established as Bleacher Report. It's, it's a really awesome creative opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, the real cool part about, like, coming here is that <clears> – <throat> especially on our social moments team, we're, we're so reactive in, in real time to everything that's going on, right? Like we're, we're watching the, the events, we're watching Usain Bolt run the 100 meter, and we're instantly thinking of content that we can create centered around that. And a lot of times we're thinking well before that event what we can create. But there's, there's a great element of coming in and being like, okay, this just happened and it's really exciting. Let's come up with the best possible idea around it. So the day would be centered around, okay, we know that tonight Simone Biles is going to be uh, one of the talking points on the balance beam. Let's start creating content around that and, and, and figuring out what's the best way to tell that narrative um, and what's the best way to be, be a part of that conversation in a meaningful way online. 
You know, it's interesting. You guys have spent so much time talking about, both in your careers and today, talking about, you know, the importance of engagement and the importance of, of, of online. And obviously it's, it's as important to you as it is to all of the other, you know, sports empires out there. And you guys have done an incredible job of taking on brands like ESPN and, and, and Fox Sports 1 to, to keep your content relevant and shareable. And, 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 you know, the viral aspect of it is, is incredible when you guys hit it, you know, hit it right, which happens, you know, really all, all the time. Um, do, do you sort of sit – you guys sit around in teams and look at what the other competitors are doing, or are you so focused on your own brand and building that and building your sort of – tone of voice and everything that comes with that, that you don't really care what others are doing because you guys are so focused on your own land. You know, I think being the kind of internet fiends that we are, like we see it, right? Like we're, we have a team full of people who love to be on social media. They love sports. So they're naturally going to see what the, the competitors are doing. That, that being said, um, we're really trying to look beyond what our competitors are doing and not looking to them. Um, you know, we want to be doing the things that our competitors are going to try to do six months from now um, or next season or whatever it may be. So it's not so much of, like, looking at them and saying, oh, we should do that. It's more about, like, are we constantly above them um, in terms of execution, in terms of ideas um, and pushing the platform forward and, and using, uh, you know, these platforms in a native capacity that um, we think is so important. We really focus more on how do we advance ourselves um, and then you know along that process we see okay here's what other people are doing let's make sure we're, we're ahead of them in, the, in that sense. Yeah and I think you know the examples that you laid out Ryan of um, ESPN and Fox are interesting ones for us because while of course you know we're, compa- we're competing for share of voice with them and uh, it's really you're competing with everybody online. I mean, like your Twitter feed doesn't discriminate uh, in, a, in like a real way. It's not like TV where you are plugging into a channel and that's the one thing you're getting. It's really a content discovery mechanism. So you're going to be constantly fighting for attention uh, with everybody. And I think compared to ESPN and Fox, those are, you know, they have obviously – sort of voice-driven shows, but at the core of their businesses, and I don't think anyone would dispute this over there, they're a live rights company. They are built around bringing footage uh, that is happening live or highlights to their audience. And we're not going to, like, out live rights ESPN. We're not going to, like, all of a sudden have the SEC network or we're going to get the Pac-12 channel to, you know, that's not really our game. Where we're living is in the in the conversation around what hap- what's happening live because what we found is that online basically as soon as the thing happened um everyone's cutting up the video and sharing the score and like the actual event of what happened i guess except for the olympics because uh, nbc has done such a good job of killing that but for mm-hmm. most sports you know everybody sees it immediately so that as sort of like a creative barrier to entry is, is pretty uh, minimal. And so what we want to do is own the conversation that's going to have a long tail after the moment itself happens. Like 
when we see that LeBron won the ring, okay, great, now everyone knows that, but what is everyone going to talk about? And what's going to be the sentiment that sort of gets this internet behavior of breaking it and remaking it and sending it out again? And how can we lead that? Because we'll find that, you know, the score will probably, you know, or like the, the highlight of the dunk will get a ton of engagement for like three minutes right after it's posted, but we can post something that's a treatment or um, a different take on it that will be getting retweeted and, um, you know, edited and so forth for 12 hours afterwards or two days afterwards. And that gives our content a lot more resonance and, and is really like where we're trying to put our kind of creative energy. So it's a long-winded way of saying we're almost like indirect competitors with ESPN. Um, we also compete with Drake, and we compete with The Rock, and we compete with everybody who's on Twitter talking to our kind of young male core demographic. It's a great point. And, again, we're talking to Beckley Mason, the senior director of content, and Kenny Dorsett, the director of social media at The Great Bleacher Report. And, you know, Hyper is a big sponsor of the show, and we, we are the only company in the world to have deep audience analytics across almost every social channel out there. And we know from your Hyper data that you're right, you deep, you know, young men, and 74% of your following on your social channels is men, so 26% of women. But when you look at the age groups of actually who your followers are, it's a very interesting look. Um, 22% of your following online is 19 to 25. 25% is 26 to 32. And 26% is 33 to 39. I think there's a lot of people who think, and actually 13% is 40 to 46. And the 12 to 18-year-olds are about 12.5%. And everybody, I think, thinks that Bleacher Report is, is for young people or people who are more millennials or young. And I'm 39 and I'm a big follower and I – I you know, love the content you guys have, have put out. But, you know, it is interesting when you look at the age groups and the demographics and how younger people, I guess you could put me in that category a couple of years ago, are growing with you guys and are helping you guys expand your eyeballs by helping follow you and share your content and share and retweet your stuff. And on Facebook, you're getting about 3,500 uh, 3, reactions for every post and about 110 comments. Um, but shares, 230 shares for every post you put up, which is so different from normal. You have a lot more content, co comments than shares. But in your case, you guys continue to produce awesome content that people want to share. And obviously that's an area that you guys have focused very, very much on. And when you think about the other brands like an ESPN or Fox Sports 1, you normally come across them on your television screen. But with you guys, you come across you where the conversation is happening online. You're either, you're either discovering Bleacher Report or you're seeing someone post it or share it. How much has that area helped you guys explode by having peer-to-peer -peer suggestions or recommendations by seeing your content and people pressing the follow button? How much has that had a, a value on growing your following the way you have, which is basically you know, 10 million followers when you add up Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter? I mean, it's been a huge kind of part of our growth, and it's been a huge point of emphasis for us. I mean, we started out with the mission statement all along on social was that let's only put up content that we thought people wanted to share with their friends. And we kind of had this mantra of like, hey, 
you know, you being the person who's posting on our social media accounts, if you wouldn't share this with your friends, we shouldn't be sharing it from Bleacher Report. And we kind of, we, we built from that and we've grown and we've obviously created a lot more content and a lot, um, I'd say, higher end quality content now than we did four years ago. But we really tried to keep that part of it. Um, and I think that's why we've seen such a big you know, growth pattern with um, shares among their friends. I mean, like when we look at an Instagram post, um, we don't care as much about the likes. What we really care about is the comments or, or we kind of refer to them as tags where people tag their friends in a post. That's, that's what we're kind of striving for, right? Like we want to find the times that people are so compelled by the content that they need to share it with their friends. Um, so we think about that on every piece of social content that we create. Like, hey, is this something, what's the reason someone's going to share this with their friends? And if you don't have a good reason on why they're going to share it with their friends, then they're probably not, and we probably shouldn't post it. So it's been definitely a huge part of our growth, and it's it's uh, the reason for it's that because we put so much time behind it, you know? Yeah, and I think, yeah, no, you know, it's worked, yeah. to that point, we, uh, like what I was getting at earlier with the scores comment, like you're never going to say like, hey, Mark, like, this is the score. Like, that's a thing that no one would ever say in conversation if you were, like, sitting next to someone at the bar. What you would want to pass along is something that's, like, of value that you can laugh about or share with your friends, and that gets to kind of unlocking the voice. And I think that those sort of editorial parameters have kind of unleashed the creativity of that team. And I would also say that unlike TV, which, you know, you are selecting to find – because of the shareability of our content, we can pretty much say that if you ran an ad on Bleacher Report Social for like every day for a week, you would hit such an enormous percentage of um, the sports audience because we get so many people who don't follow us to see our content through the sharing mechanism. So. I think that um, it's another kind of value add that we're trying to bring to the market is that, you know, it's not just like running an ad on TV and you hope that they're watching it. It's like someone just pulls open their phone in a train station waiting and they're just like seeing sports stuff that's getting shared around. Really high percentage chance that some of what they're seeing is uh, coming out of Kenny's team. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you guys, you mentioned comments on Instagram. So for every post, you're getting about 58,000 likes and almost 2,000 comments, which is obviously incredible, uh, viral, and 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 your strategy is clearly clearly working. It's interesting. You mentioned all the different sports. When you look at the hyper data from the interest of your audience, they're interested in tennis, baseball, NASCAR, and surfing. So it shows the different areas obviously you guys dominate in the in the other sports but it's interesting to see those sports come up and hyper is able to pull that based on who those people are following so that's sort of how they know you know what what the interests are of of the audience and from a, a geography standpoint about half of your audience is in the u.s the other half of your audience is in everywhere from South Africa to Puerto Rico to all other other countries you know around the world and that and that brings me to the Olympics and in a couple of minutes we'll we'll do the hyper heat index and we'll look at Ryan Lochte and and Michael Phelps and, and Katie Ledecky uh, later on in the show and put their data up against each other and, and you guys have obviously now watched the Olympics for a week um, fifty percent of your audience is not in the u s so you obviously need to reach people with your content and you have bleacher report 
Court UK and a number of different bleacher reports across different the, the countries. Take us through the Olympics. You know, what does that look like in your world? Last night, you know, incredible performance from Usain Bolt. Uh, every night it feels like there's these historic performance, whether it's in gymnastics or swimming. It's been a just an incredible Olympics. Uh, and, you know, as we get into the gold medal, the medal rounds with the basketball and some other stuff, I think it'll even get better. It's really been really, really good and, and fun and sort of must-see TV. Give us a sense of what does that look like in your offices? What does it look like when you get to work today? Um, how do you guys strategize, develop, and eventually execute on this stuff at the Olympics that everybody is talking about, everybody's sharing, and everyone's talking about it every day. It's not like it's waiting until the night and then the game comes on. There's, there's, there's matches and games and events throughout the day and evening. Give us a sense of what the Olympics looks like, that Bleacher Report. Yeah, I, I... Um, the Olympics is a is a unique beast, right? Or it's like uh, you know you got three weeks of where the entire world cares about sports that you know the next three three years and <laughs> that they're not going to care about at all, or very little, I should say, not at all, but very little. Uh, so it's it's a very unique beast, and it's uh, you know we really look at it from. Again, the stories and narratives that people are going to be uh, find compelling. I mean, I think it's if you look at the history of sports, there's certain things like the g- women's gymnastics and track and field with the same bowls and like everything, you know, everything else on the electric, uh, Olympic spectrum that you could say like, hey, you know that there's a, uh, a heavy interest in this and you know that there's going to become these, you know, America's sweethearts and, and athletics that people are going to really start to care about um, for these three weeks. And so we come in every single day and look at the next three days out and say, okay, you know, we have the same Bolt won the 100 meter last night, but we also know he's going for the 200 meter uh, finals uh, three days from now. So what can we, what can we create around that? We know that He's trying to go for the triple-triple. He's trying to win the 100, the 200, and the 4 by 100 relays for the third Olympics in a row, and no one's ever done that. So we, we, look, at, we look ahead a few days, and we're thinking, what's the narrative or what's the, the story going to be like on the Internet at that time? And through you know, the history of our experience and seeing you know, what's, what's happened at other events, we're able to kind of look at it and predict, hey, you know, this is going to be a very celebratory event. Like everyone's going to be loving the same bold if he wins. Um, you know, everyone's going to be really feeling Justin Gatlin if he's able to pull it out. So we know what those narratives and feelings are going to be, and then we kind of create content to fit into that. Really, really cool. You guys continue to be innovative and you continue to sort of change the game when it comes to uh, content and, and engagement and, and tone of voice. Um, you know, you mentioned how you work with brands and this is a show that is sort of at the intersection of sports and technology and, and brands and, and, and influencers. And, um, you know, you guys do a lot of work with brands, but I think when you first look as I'm not sure people really understand how you work with brands, which is a really good thing. Um, meaning that you've done a really good job of <laughs> keeping your content really authentic and straightforward and, and engaging and putting a brand into that fold. Then it still doesn't mess up that, that takeaway. 
Um, how do you guys work with brands? Uh, I think it's of interest, and, 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 and as you guys continue to get bigger, you'll obviously continue to work with more brands. Yeah, totally. So uh, that is definitely something that I'm spending a lot of time thinking about with branded content. I mean, no kidding. Uh, we are – we really want to take kind of like a, a, a really connected and – um, kind of white glove treatment uh, perspective with certain kinds of content. And then we also want to have things that are really turnkey and easy for a media buyer to just say, yep, great, this is awesome. We know it's going to do really well. Um, we want to be in the pre-roll or the end card, or we want to have a display. Um, you know, we're kind of like, you're probably noticing like kind of integrating brands into almost like display advertising on social. Um, we are, so we have those things. Then we have kind of the branded content offering, which is really more, how do we take the voice of Bleacher Report, the distribution capabilities, and the um, ability to um, reach this really targeted audience and bring a brand message through that. So, you know, if you are a athletic apparel brand, like you probably make great commercials and that's certain kind of content that does really well for you, but you might also want to have a statement about something that uh, needs to be carried to our audience in a way that we know our audience is going to sit up and pay attention to. And that might not be the beautiful you know, two-minute ad produced by Wyden Kennedy or Droga or Chai Day 72 or someone like that. It might be something that's really of the Internet and is going to show up and be in, in, in their feeds from a source like us that our audience trusts. So I think we're trying to, you know, work all ends of that spectrum. Um, for the branded content team, it's really about finding partners who are, ready to co-create and co-produce things um, and benefit from our voice and our audience. Really, really, really interesting. You know, it's, it's, it's so easy, obviously, to buy into any any 30-second or any sort of media buy. But, you know, what's so cool about working with you guys is such a collaborative partnership and the ability to build things and create things that just haven't been done before um, give you a chance to be yeah. a, real tra a real trailblazer in the industry and certainly gives brands an opportunity. It's easy to call SI and buy an ad or go on their .com. But when you're creating a sort of a – uh, a theme with you guys, you're really building something that's organic and, and custom and has the ability to be shared to, with a lot more people. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's both great and, it's, and it can be tough because making those deals and making that content is going to be a more high-touch experience. Um, and, and so that's going to take a little bit more work. But our thought is that essentially, you know, when was the last time that you, like, really sat through the entire pre-roll. I think, like, everyone is doing what they can to kind of block ads or not look at the display advertising, and, and everyone's struggling with that, right? Like, bringing people back to out of their owned and operated platforms to modify, modif uh, monetize people through display is getting tougher and tougher. And that's sort of like everyone has been buying 
real estate, and they've been buying the real estate closest to the thing that you actually want to see, which is like, I want to see this video, so I'm going to buy, buy the sign right in front of it and make you look at it for five seconds before you can see something else. They're like, I know you want to read that article, so I'm just going to surround it with that real estate. Um, but on social and in mobile apps, that real estate just doesn't exist in the same way. And yet that's where the audience wants to consume their content. So if you're a brand and you want to reach those audience, that audience there, you need to not only invest in the real estate, you actually need to invest in the content itself. And so that's where we can come in and say, look, we have this authentic, credible relationship with our audience. If you allow us to tell your story through our voice, we will kind of break through that real estate content barrier for you and um, kind of connect you authentically to our audience the same way that we are with our own work every day. You know, so much of what Burger Shop does is, is connect people, but do it through authenticity and ensuring that what one-to-one conversation happens and is, and, is, and is trusted. And we know that that one-to-one form of communication is the most powerful form of media in, a, in the world. And you guys continue to hone in on that exact thing, whether it's a company like Hyper or Burger Shop or Bleacher Report. Everything is based around giving individuals content for them to spread. Because we know that when individuals spread things, it's much more powerful than when a brand spreads things. So when mm-hmm. we look at 2017, for you guys, obviously 2016 is a lot of still on the plate between the NFL and, and the beginning of the new seasons of all the different sports, and then we go into 2017 and as we wrap up today, and I'm, I know you guys are thirsty for a little bit more iced coffee, so I don't want to keep you guys too, too long. <laughs> Um, but what is you know I, I sort of rather, what does 2017 look like for you guys? What do you think you know you will be focusing on more? Is it doing what you're doing now, but just bigger, tighter, and stronger? Yeah, I I think um, the answer is no. I think it's going to be a lot of things we're not doing now. 2017 is going to be a huge year. Um, Even the rest of 2016, like we have some stuff coming. Um, We just announced this week a, a partnership as the official social media distributors of content in Notre Dame. Um... So we're going to be covering the Fighting Irish football team, embedded with the team, um, really getting incredible access. And what's so special about this is, you know, you're thinking maybe like, oh, Hard Knocks has had something like this. Showtime covered them last year. How many 17-year-old recruits do you think watch Showtime and watch Mm -hmm. that series on Notre Dame? Um, and how many people of those people are being communicated, and even maybe 35-year-olds are being communicated to in the way they want to be communicated with. I think that's like where we see so much potential is, you know, whether it's a live broadcast, whether it's an experience. You know, we just did our first pop-up shop uh, idea this summer with Kip and Soho. It was a great success. We had uh, – Ben Simmons, the number one draft pick, was coming through and actually uh, hung out with us after he got uh, pick number one. I think maybe being 19 in New York and wanting to go out is tough, but uh, <laughs> that he, hung, he chose to hang out, hang out with us. Um, but I think, you know... I guess there wasn't, enough, is, there wasn't enough things going on in New York that they, he actually yeah, wanted to exactly. hang out with you guys that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's 
speaks poorly about him, but we're glad that he, he chose to. Um, but I think we have a ton of um, really sort of rich media things coming. We're starting this uh, this creative studio. We're, we're staffing up right now with um, really creative, almost like late-night style sketch writers to be coming out with a ton of really exciting content that's more episodic and original. Um, so I think you know, kind of in the in the vein of the Game of Zone stuff that we've done, uh, I think you're going to see a real, like, explosion of super premium and innovative content in the next 15 months. And we just got that big bump from uh, Turner invested in an incremental $100 million, uh, basically just in digital content, which for a company built on TV speaks really, I think, highly about um, – you know, our relationship and how much they believe in what we're doing and, and are empowering us to do it. And so from a broader perspective, I think we're, we're really excited to basically take all that money and make all the, the best things that we can make with it. Yeah, I mean, just to, to expand on that a little bit, I mean, uh, like Beckley said, I'm, I'm hoping that anything that we're doing now, if you come to this point a year from now, it's not even like on our radar. We want to be so far <laughs> out ahead of the game where we're like if we're doing the same playbook per se that we ran in in the beginning of 2016 at the end of 2017 or even in the beginning of 2017, we're not staying above the competition. So, um the hope is that you know, we we take what we we learned from during the NBA playoffs, during this uh during the NFL season, college football season, the Olympics, and we expand on that, and we really broaden it. So that come next NBA season, we're doing things that you know we were just tip of the iceberg on um, during this past season. Sports has exploded, and social has exploded, and Bleacher Report has been a big part of both of those things. Um, young people, you know, you, you make a great point on the Notre Dame stuff. We actually had Jason Katz on about a month and a half ago. He's one of the producers of that show, and it's funny. I caught up with him two weeks ago when we were talking about the Notre Dame show and millennials and how young people, you know, obviously are so much online and mobile phones in their hands. So, you know, it's such a smart point in how you guys are talking about new ideas and what you're up to, you know, with Notre Dame and, and staffing up. So my last question to you guys is there's a lot of people listening who would love to work with Bleacher Report. I mean, how do you get hired? What is that key thing you need on your resume? So many people think it's, oh, I need to go to school for sports. I need to go to school for social. But as you guys and I know, it can come from all different areas. And Becky, you talked a lot about that earlier today and your career path to getting there. And what is that opportunity to get hired as you guys move into the last of 2016 and 2017 in the sense of what are those keys that individuals should think about as they try and reach out or, uh, to Bleacher Report or thinking about trying to get into business? Yeah, I think that um, the great part of uh, social media in particular is, as Beckley said, um, you know, the the blessing and the curse is that we're competing against everybody. So, like, there's a lot of, you know, individual talent that we've had and we've hired to be full-time members of our team who were just kind of going out and creating fun, engaging content on their own. They were doing it uh, just because they enjoyed it. And I think, for me, that's the biggest thing is, like, show that you understand the space really well by going out and doing it. You know, look at your social, look at your Twitter account and say, hey, like, what's the best piece of content I can create around this? 
Um, you have you have the skills to do it. Go out and do it, and do the timing wise that fits perfectly. Um, so I think it's a really it's a really unique opportunity with social in particular that you can kind of show your chops very easily just by running your your own personal accounts very well. And you can when I look at someone's Twitter account that I'm interested in hiring, and they have a ton of great content on there whether it be stuff they created or even just stuff that they're sharing from others, you can really get a sense of their voice and what they think is cool. And it gives us the, the uh, opportunity to say, hey, this really aligns with what we think is cool and what our voice is, and there's probably a really good fit here. So I would say focus on your, uh, your own social media efforts, and it really, especially for a job like we're doing with Social Moments, that um, it really relates to what we do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I think um, that's a really cool thing about the group here is it's sort of like, you know, show us your reel, and your reel on social is what you've been making. And a lot of the people who we've hired have been maybe like uh, unconventional mm-hmm. hires. Mm-hmm. Um, the For my team, I think, you know, we are looking for people who are no sports, have a, have the ability to – have their uh, creative voice work in sort of the sports landscape and will be able to pull the right insights about the right athletes that are going to pop with our audience. And are people who, like me, probably, uh, are looking, are ready to get out of sort of agency brand world, who know how to speak on a brand's behalf and how to translate messages into creative, um, but want to do it at a publisher where, rather than um, I think it's really hard sometimes to speak on behalf of the brand and then that content lives on that brand's channel. So you're going to have, you know, sort of a ton of scrutiny um, to make sure that this is really hitting whatever that brand you're working with voice, whereas what we're bringing is the brand's message through our voice. So creatively, I think there's a little bit more flexibility um, to define what you want to do. That's kind of my pitch. Um, but, the, but the thing is, I think we're going to, it's a great creative opportunity for people who want to not just be in decks and making pitches, but actually make stuff that goes out into the world every single day um, and who have the creative capacity to do that on a, on a minute-by-minute basis. So we're going to be hiring people from the agency world, um, like Kenny, people who just do great, hilarious, fun, interesting stuff online. And then um, people with traditional media backgrounds, especially in video production, um, who can make something, make a shoot run smoothly, make it look really good, and make talent um, come to the table and be really ready to work with us. So it'll be sort of a, a smorgasbord, but I think what's going to be great is that uh, we're looking for basically just to like, get the draft the best athletes and we'll figure out what position they play once we get them all together. Um, I don't think we're looking for super specific skill sets. It's like if we, if you can, you know, if you think you're a strategist, but you can also write a script, that's much better than someone who can come up with the perfect brand tent poles that no consumer is maybe ever going to see. Like, let's just, you know, come up with something and go make it. It's brilliant. It's uh, it's incredible to hear the innovation is is pumping, 
from the alerts and the, the, my favorite team when you guys first launched the app to getting into such incredible you know video production and all the the things that you guys are getting into for the rest of 2016 and 2017. Back we. Kenny, thanks so much for spending the last 40 minutes on the show. Uh, we'll have you on in the fall as the football gets thrown around. And uh, everybody, please follow at Bleacher Report and watch out as these guys continue to, to change the game when it comes to sports and social. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, careers at Bleacher Report. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> That was uh, Beckley Mason, Senior Director of Content, and Kenny Dorsett, the Director of Social Media at uh, Bleacher Report, a, c- a company that has really been a game changer in the, in the industry, and I really thank those guys for spending as much time as they did on the show today. I hope everybody got a lot out of that. It's, it's so interesting and, and innovative, and two really, really good guys who come from very different backgrounds but are taking uh, their teams and what the brand of Bleacher Report does to a whole new level. And it's so interesting to hear as someone who consumed sports their whole life from newspapers to magazines to websites. It's so interesting to hear when you think about everyone having their own opinion on social media and the ability to create and how much I run to my Twitter handle to push out information or opinions when it comes to sports. And I've always said Twitter is the ultimate sports bar and, um, Bleacher Report is one of the biggest players in, in the space and, and a company that has created those sports bars. So um, they're hiring. Check them out at careers at Bleacher Report. And uh, you know, feel free to reach out to Beckley or Kenny or, or any of the other guys at, at, or ladies at Bleacher Report as they continue to uh, really, really change the game. So thanks to those guys for uh, spending some time with us today. And uh, before we go, I do want to get into the hyperheat index, as uh, it's always a fun segment that we, uh, sort of an episodic segment that we get into every uh, every show. And today we're going to look at um, three Olympians. Um, the first is American swimmer Ryan Lochte, which uh, I guess is incredibly lucky that he's alive today after what's happened to him in Rio. And um, we see that Lochte has a uh, a split of 50-50 when it comes to his social media audience, men and women. So a complete split for Ryan Lochte when you look at his male versus female. And I do want to talk for a second about what's been going on at Rio. Um, you know, very, very scary story coming out uh, of Rio the last couple of days in which what happened to Ryan Lochte, uh, a gun to his head, uh, robbed with three other swimmers, very, very scary stuff. Um, there's been a couple of other incidents that people have talked about that NBC has not really sort of showcased. This one got out and became a huge story, cover of the New York Post, etc. Very, very scary stuff. Um, and so important to uh, be safe out there, find yourselves. And in, 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 in these are people who are really, really uh, some thugs that went after Lochte. And be very, very careful as to what's going on out there. And whether it's the water or, or, or the, this type of situation, they continue to, to, to have issues uh, that are unsafe and, and, and unsanitary. So as um, more and more of this happens, and hopefully more and more of this will not happen with the next couple of days uh, going on with the Olympics, it's important that these players and these athletes, you know, as the thing 
sort of ends and everybody starts to, you know, party at the end of next week and Olympic Village, this and that, that everything stays the way it's been. And there are, as I said, some stories about what's happened um, already, uh, but those stories have done gone relatively quiet. Um, and the hope here is that this week can be focused very, very much on sports and uh, and all the teams that are playing and all the individual players because there's going to be um, a lot of uh, big-time games and medals over the next uh, couple of weeks, a uh, couple of days, and you want to make sure that um, – but that goes off without a hitch, and you know it's unfortunate that this Ryan Lochte thing has, and the other swimmers has is having such a big aspect uh, and story as we, because it, it it has been such an incredible Olympics, and it is really sad to see uh, something taking over the Olympics that really has no place for it. So. Um, you know, best to everybody out there. Hopefully, everybody continues to stay safe and and won't have you know those those uh, those issues that we uh, just pointed out. And as we get back to Ryan Lochte, um, we see 51% of his audience are male, 43% are indeed excuse me 49% are indeed female. When we look over at Usain Bolt, 17 million followers on Facebook. Incredible number of followers for Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt, the fastest man in the world. Um, really just an amazing uh, uh, individual and all the different aspects of, of him. And uh, when we look and we see 17 and a half million followers on Facebook, that's where the majority of content for Usain Bolt is. is um, about Eight and a half uh, million followers on his, excuse me, four and a half million followers on his Twitter, and about three million followers for Usain Bolt on Instagram. So uh, I do want to look at Bolt with Lochte, Ledecky, and 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 Michael Phelps um, because Usain Bolt has by far the biggest number of uh, uh, social media followers, uh, about 25 million followers total. Uh, his biggest, as I said, is Facebook, getting about 770 comments per post. Interestingly, when you look at his audience, only 3% of his audience comes from Jamaica, where he's from, uh, 15% from London, 11% from India, and, and 30% from the U.S. You know, interesting, Ryan Lochte is 50-50 on male versus female. Usain Bolt, 70% men. 70% men, uh, Usain Bolt, 30% women. When we head over to Michael Phelps, 54% men, 46% women. So a much more evened out uh, gender when it comes to who's following Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps with about 8.5 million followers on Facebook, 2 million followers on, on Instagram, and 2 million on Twitter. Phelps getting his biggest engagement over the Instagram with 142,000 likes for every one of his posts. And when you look at where his followers are coming from, 54% are in the United States. So the other 46% of Michael Phelps is coming from other places besides the United States. So interesting to, uh, to see how big Michael Phelps and Usain Bolt are. Um, and then we get over to someone like Katie Ledecky, and her numbers are going to grow drastically, but right now has about 120,000 followers on Twitter and about 75,000 on Instagram. And Katie, the world's greatest uh, swimmer, 
on the female side, about 63% of her following is here in the U.S., and she has about 57% women who follow her. So as a woman and as the biggest and best women, woman swimmer in the world, and as she continues to grow, her social will, you know, will really start to explode, um, and she will be the kind of name socially that uh, everybody is expecting her to be. So uh, interesting stuff about uh, Katie Ledecky, Michael Phelps, Usain Bolt, and Ryan Lochte in today's Hyper Heat Report. And that's all we have on our show today. I thank everybody for uh, spending the last hour with us. Thanks to the Crowds Line. Thanks to Hyper. Thanks to PETA Express for all being a big part of the show and being our sponsors. Thanks to Beckley Mason, the Senior Director of Content, and Kenny Dorsett, the Director of Social Media at Bleacher Report. Really interesting hour speaking to them. I hope everybody enjoys the show. Stay cool in the east coast as it is a uh, brutal heat wave which hopefully will be done soon we'll be back next week with another great show for you have a great week everybody and as my man mad dog russo likes to say adios Podcast, the one that you heard about, talking sports media, buzz and the word of mouth, social is the currency, seeing what the buzz will be, talking sports and culture, you never know what'll be coming next, cause that's the type of podcast you listen to, powered by the hyper, brands, who the man, yo, Ryan at the forefront, got it on my iTunes, walking through the storefront, listen to the broadcast, he touches almost anything, sports, culture, media, technology, and marketing, so listen to the man right ahead of his time, on your podcast, you can download or listen live, so here comes comes the podcast, here comes your host, The Burger Shop, now live from coast to coast, in any way you want to do it, listen to the show, Ron got the insights, The Burger Shop, you know? Burger Shop.